well, we're talking about how we can be blessed and by praying in tongues. We're talking about the benefits of praying in the Spirit. And, and I want you to understand that this is a new covenant prayer. This is a way that we access the blessings of heaven. Okay, Ephesians 1 and 3 says that we've been blessed with every blessing in spiritual places. But the way that we get, in a sense, those blessings from spiritual places into physical places or get those blessings to manifest is by appropriating them. It's by confessing them. It's by declaring them. And one of the ways you do that is literally by praying in the spirit so the promises become real for you they become manifest for you so we've been looking about how when we pray in tongues we edify ourselves we build ourselves up how when we pray in tongues it literally creates a miraculous environment that changes circumstances and situations and i want to look right now at how praying in the spirit actually activates the armor of god that you've been given and remember many things have been given but they need to be activated uh, if you're passive then the promises don't manifest for you we looked at psalm 91 and and we considered some of the amazing benefits or blessings that it offers to the children of god people who have a covenant with god at the same time though as with all things we need to appropriate the promises so the blessings of protection and health and so forth that Psalm 91 talks about are for those who make uh, the, the secret place of the Most High their resting place. Their, it, 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 the promises come alive for those who say out, He is my refuge and my fortress. You see, so you need to respond. You need to activate your spirit in order for the promises or the benefits to come into being for you we can't be passive and likewise with the armor of god and the armor of god is absolutely extraordinary what it offers us and yet you'll see that there's a way that the armor is activated but let's look at this passage of scripture quickly in ephesians 6 reading from verse 13 therefore take up the whole armor of god and notice that take up okay you You've been given it, but you still need to take it up. So take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And this is really interesting because it doesn't say the evil year or the evil life. No, you know, we have blessed lives, okay? Normally, every day, you're going to live in a, a good day, a blessed day. But <clears throat> there are going to be times when it's an evil day, okay? Trouble comes. Problems come, attacks come, sickness comes, you know, whatever type of evil comes your way. So it's giving you the, the key here to how to withstand or overcome on those problematic days. And Paul continues, and having done all to, all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. So there's the first piece of armor, okay, the, the belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, there's the second piece. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, so the shoes or the boots of peace, we say. And above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So there's the 
the the next piece of armor and notice that the evil one or the wicked one is firing or shooting fiery darts okay this is a real battle it's real okay the spiritual realm is real you do have an enemy but here god is giving us the 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 key to overcome and Paul continues, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So there's the, the fifth and the sixth piece of armor, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All right, so you've been given six pieces of armor. Okay, now just let me open up a parenthesis here. We know that the number six in scripture points to man. Number seven points to God, all right? Um without going into a big teaching but we know that the number 666 represents the superlative of man or man at his strongest at his wisest it's man without god so to speak okay that's why goliath had six uh, fingers and six toes on each hand and each foot he was the strongest man without god who confronts god we know the number seven is god Okay, so number seven points to God. Number seven points to the victory that comes through God. That's why Joshua marched around the city of Jericho seven times, and and, and seven times seven on the on the on the seventh day, or seven times on the seventh day, and that released the power of God. And so, we've got six pieces of armor, but there's the seventh thing here that we tend to overlook. But actually, it's the seventh thing that activates the first six things. And what's the seventh thing? Well, Paul continues, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And here we are talking about praying in the Spirit. So this word here, praying always and with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The word praying in the Young's translation and the and the authorized translation it's through all prayer literally so when we when we pray this way through the channel of praying in the spirit all the the armor of god is activated hallelujah they're put on you've probably heard in the past that there's no piece of armor for your back because the christian soldier is to advance okay against the gates of Hades we push on we press forward and so we press forward okay we don't need to retreat in the evil day we can still press forward in the evil day and how do we do that through praying always in the spirit hallelujah and this this just shows us some wonderful things it is possible to pray at all times and let me just kind of bring this down to a, a practical level because maybe you think that praying in the holy spirit needs to be done i don't know in a prayer meeting or when you're at home alone with some music on no please understand you can pray in the spirit at all times okay you can pray walking down the street you can pray driving your car you can pray in a loud voice a soft voice okay in a sense you could even pray uh, under your breath or without without um audible words in your mind okay you can literally activate your spirit and keep it churning over like a a motor kind of just ticking over in the background hallelujah this is a gift 
that God has given us. I mean, some people pray in the shower. Other people pray in tongues making love. Do what you want to do. Be free. But just keep that motor ticking over, okay? Hallelujah. And that will keep the, 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 the miracle power of God manifesting through you and the armor of God activated upon you. Hallelujah. And that will give you the victory that you're looking for. I mean, I pray in the spirit a lot. I, I run every day. I walk with my dog early mornings. You know, one of the things that I teach on my podcast uh, about prayer in the morning is that I believe that every day you should spend some time praying in the spirit. Because when you pray in the spirit, you pray out mysteries. Okay. And, and, and there's a lot of things in your life that you don't know. They're mysteries to you. They're mysterious. There are some things you can pray about, you know, with knowledge. Or I'm facing this and I'm facing that. Lord, I, I need this. I need that. Or I'm interceding for this person because they've got this necessity. That's, that's something that you know about. But there's a lot of things in your future that you don't know about or in the world's future that's unknown to us. But when we pray in the Spirit, we pray out the mysteries of God. And of course, the Holy Spirit is God so he knows all things because God knows the end from the beginning he knows what's in our tomorrow and this is the glory of praying in the spirit you're praying out things that your head doesn't know but you're already preparing your tomorrow and of course praying in the spirit you pray out the perfect will of God and God he will always respond when we pray out his will Obviously, if we're praying something that's not his will, then he won't respond to that. He can't respond to that, okay, because it's not his will. So, you know, you could be praying in your own native language, something that's not the will of God, and therefore God cannot respond. And so, in a sense, your prayer is in vain. But when you pray in the Spirit, you're always praying out the will of God, and therefore God always responds. And so, it's really effective prayer. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8 and 26. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Hallelujah. It's absolutely wonderful. Here we're understanding that the Holy Spirit helps us. He assists us when we don't know how to pray. Now, it's not that when we're praying that way that our minds become inactive. No, you can still focus your mind, all right? But you're praying out stuff that you don't know, okay? And so, and the Holy Spirit knows. And so by allowing him to strengthen you, to pray through you, literally the Spirit is praying through you. Hallelujah. It's just an extraordinary gift that we've been given. The Holy Spirit has come to intercede and make intercession for us to the Father. So these are prayers, as I said, that will go answered rather than unanswered. And so when you're praying in tongues, in a sense, someone who is greater than you is praying for you and through you. And it's comforting if you know that a person, a man of God, a woman of God is praying for you. But in a sense now, the Holy Spirit is actually praying for you. He's praying the perfect prayer. And maybe your prayers uh, aren't perfect because of the Spirit, though. He's perfecting them. Hallelujah. 
Now, I just want you to reconsider with me about when the Spirit was given and when the first disciples received this gift of speaking in tongues. And of course, it was on the day of Pentecost, a well-known passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. And just dwelling on it quickly together here, the Scripture says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The day of Pentecost is literally Pentecost means 50 and Pentecost is a feast of Israel that always happened 50 days after Passover and so Passover was again what they celebrated to remind them of the time when the angel of death passed over their houses whilst they were slaves in Egypt okay and so they their firstborn sons were protected Whereas that was the 10th plague that came upon Egypt. And the Lord had to do that because Pharaoh had hardened his heart and he wanted his people to be set free. He needed his people to be set free because it was the people of Israel that brought forth the Messiah. Without the Messiah, nobody, including Egypt, could be saved. Okay. And so, but the Passover protected them. And so what happened was that every year, the children of Israel celebrated Passover. Okay, now the Feast of Pentecost was celebrated 50 days after Passover. At Pentecost, the first Pentecost was whilst the children of Israel were in the wilderness and God gave them the law through Moses. When Moses came down the mountain with the law, the Ten Commandments, uh, the children of Israel responded in a very proud and self-righteous way. They said to God that whatever he instructed them to do, they would do. Now, instead of realizing that the law wasn't given for them to be perfect, but the law was given to show them their imperfections so that they would look to God for redemption, for salvation. But self-righteous people always say, no, we can be perfect. I am perfect. Tell me what to do and I'll achieve it. Whereas humble people say, wow, okay, those are perfect standards. I agree, but I'm not able to do that. So be gracious to me, help me. And so what happened was because of their self-righteousness and they thought they could do it, actually that in that first Pentecost, 3000 people were slain. They died Okay, but here in this Pentecost, 3,000 people didn't die. Actually, 3,000 people came to life through the preaching of Peter after being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, but the scripture here is saying when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So it's showing that the law that couldn't now be, that couldn't be fulfilled by the children of Israel through their own righteousness had now been fulfilled through the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. In other words, Pentecost points to the, to the fact that we have become righteous through the righteousness of Christ. Like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when that work was completed, when Christ after his ascension had taken his blood into the Holy of Holies of heaven, placed it on the mercy seat and declared, therefore mankind could be completely redeemed and made righteous, justified by faith in this offering. Uh, and that moment when it was fully complete, Okay, when the job was fully done, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that was the moment now that the temple, which is mankind, okay, the, the, the church, I should say, the temple had been cleansed. And because it had been cleansed, now the Holy Spirit could come and fill it. So when the day of Pentecost when that had fully come, when that work was fully completed, now the Holy Spirit was given and that's why verse 2 says and suddenly there came a sound from heaven so one thing was as soon as pentecost was fully come fully completed immediately or suddenly the holy spirit came rushing down like a mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting and continuing verse 3 there were that then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat on each of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance so you can see here that it's not just that the house was filled but they were filled why because they had become the temple of god and of course when you're filled up with something you begin to overflow as Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So because their hearts were now filled with the Spirit, it came bubbling out of their mouths in tongues. Okay, new utterance and utterances of the Holy Spirit. And that activated the supernatural, the life flow of God. Out of their bellies flowed rivers of living water. Now an utterance is not a word of everyday speech. But it's a word belonging to uh, elevated and dignified discourse. This is divine utterance. This is spiritual utterance. Okay, And so they began to speak in the tongues of angels, the tongues of the spirit. Okay, So when they spoke out these things, this was a great sign that the spirit now was flowing through them. Okay, Now they spoke in the languages of people but they also spoke in the languages of the spirit okay and as they were speaking out these things local people understood them in their own languages supernatural things were happening now this brings me on to uh, perhaps a key point that i want to wrap up with and that is that when you pray in the spirit you actually activate the other gifts of the spirit and i want to clarify something right from the outset on this point that there is a difference between praying in the spirit and then speaking out in the spirit with interpretation which is one of the nine gifts of the spirit i'm here to tell you that actually when you pray in the spirit you get access to all those other gifts but it's something different paul teaches in first corinthians 14 and 2 that Whoever speaks in another tongue doesn't speak to men or to man, but to God. So when you're praying in the spirit, you are talking to God. Okay. And so that is the direction of the prayer. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you, you start speaking in tongues, some people call it the prayer language. 
literally you're praying to God. You're, as we've been reading, you're praying out the mysteries. It's the spirit in you that strengthens you, that makes intercession for you to God. So we're praying to God. But actually the gifts of the spirit aren't in the direction of God. They're in the direction of man. They're given to bless man. They're given to speak to man, to release power towards man. And so if you read about the gifts of the Spirit, and we'll look at it here in 1 Corinthians 12 and 7, <clears throat> the scripture says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Okay, so it's for our profit, not for the profit of God. It's for our profit. It's something that's going to be a blessing to the church. Okay, they're gifts that are given to people in the church to bless their brothers and sisters verse 8 for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues there it is and to another the interpretation of tongues okay and verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So here's the point. Uh, there are nine gifts of the spirit. The last two are mentioned are another uh, are kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of tongues. Now, so as I said, the prayer language or praying in tongues is when you're speaking to God. But when you are speaking in other kinds of tongues okay that is when you're speaking to people and that kind of tongue needs to have interpretation otherwise they won't understand what you're saying so that in a sense there are two types of tongues okay and you need to understand that otherwise you may miss out on what god wants to do so for everybody Okay, we are given the baptism of the Spirit, the prayer language. Now, I believe that that is a gateway, not a goal. It's a doorway, let's say, into a household where the nine gifts of the Spirit uh, are, are resonant. Imagine going through a door and you find, or a front door, and inside the house there are nine rooms, and on there's a door to each one of those rooms, and on the door is written one of the gifts of the Spirit, whether it be words of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, prophecies, discerning of spirits, or tongues and interpretation of tongues. And so those are the gifts of the Spirit that are given to us as divine, heavenly equipment that unlock the hearts of men, okay, that bless people through healings and miracles. But words of wisdom and words of knowledge, those are things that you speak out to people that give them direction and understanding or show them that there's a God in heaven who understands what they're going through and gives them a, you know, a knowledge of the reality of God. Or the discerning of spirits, you get to understand what's going on in the spirit realm. You have dreams and visions and, and so forth. But the tongues and interpretation of tongues, these are tongues that you speak out that then with interpretation, again, give light and wisdom and direction to people. So those are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And all of those are activated, okay? They're activated when you pray in tongues. So just because you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't mean to say that all the gifts of the Spirit are operating through you. 
Now, what you need to do, as Paul says, is earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Because these are things that will equip your life and your ministry to be able to have much more influence and impact and to help many more people, including, of course, yourself. Just because you've been baptized in the Spirit doesn't mean to say you've got you've got everything. Now you, you have access to everything. I remember going to a, a beach uh, town in the south of Brazil called Ubatuba, and I was ministering there, and a sister in the church said, Brother, we have the most beautiful beach in the whole world here. Now I'd seen the beach and I said, wow, it really is beautiful. I don't know if it's the most beautiful in the whole world. I said, have you traveled around? She said, no, I've never been anywhere else. So I just got thinking to myself, you know, there are some people who are the same with the things of the spirit. They, they, they limit the spirit to their own personal experience. So there's a whole lot more out there, but they reckon they've got it all. So my suggestion to you is thank God for what you've been given, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But please now go after the gifts of the Spirit. There's so much more that you and I can be flowing in if we earnestly desire these gifts. Hallelujah. We're talking about the benefits of praying in tongues. And this final one we're looking at here today is that it activates the other gifts. It gives you access to them. You go through that front door. When you're praying in the spirit, you'll find that your spirit is activated. Now these other gifts, whether it be faith or miracles or healings, can start moving through you. Okay, I'll teach on the gifts of the spirit on another occasion. But this is the main point, how you get to them. Get baptized in the spirit, get praying in the spirit, and you'll find that your spiritual motor, so to speak, is ticking over. So those other things can now come into being. Amen. So, um, but let me finish just by giving a few practical pointers here, because when we talk about prayer, everybody will agree that it's a good thing to do. It's a necessary thing to do. But sometimes we just feel weak in ourselves or we don't have the discipline to do it. And so we end up feeling more condemned when we hear about praying or praying in the spirit. We, we, we just, oh Lord, I, I know I need to do it, but help me to do it. And so I, these are some practical pointers to find up. Well, following on from what I've just been saying, uh, the key to really praying any type of prayer is to admit that you're weak in that area. Because all of us have days when we feel like praying, but also we have days when we don't feel like praying. The question is, what do you do when you don't feel like praying? Because you know, you know you need to. And the answer is just confess that to God. Confess your weaknesses to God and he shall make you strong with his strength. So, for example, on days where I don't feel like praying, not when I do, norm you know, normally I do, I get up, I go, I, you know, I'll tell you what I do in a moment. But there are some days I just don't feel like it. But instead of just not doing it, then I just say to God, Lord, I don't feel like praying today. So help me uh, strengthen me by your spirit. You know, that's humility. Don't try and pretend with God. I remember years ago when I was back in England, I'd had a Christmas, I'd spent Christmas in my parents' house, lots of good food and all the rest of it and company. And after Christmas on Boxing Day or the day after Boxing Day, I was feeling as most people do, kind of like I'd overeaten and feeling rather lazy because in England it's cold outside and cozy inside and you sort of cuddle up on the sofas in front of the fire. And I just thought, I really need to pray, but I didn't want to pray. And I just remember talking to the Lord about it, saying, Lord, I know I need to pray. I've got lots of stuff I need to pray about for the coming year. 
but I just don't want to. And I felt the Spirit say to me, well, what are you doing now? I said, well, I'm just telling you that I don't want to pray. And, he, and I felt the Spirit say, well, that's prayer. And so even by telling him that I didn't want to, I was actually starting a conversation with God. And I found that as I kept going, telling him how I couldn't, that he allowed me to be able to. Wow, what a wonderful paradox. So confess your weaknesses and he'll make you strong. As you get up in the morning, I would suggest you get up in the morning, do it first thing. It's my sort of principle in the house with the children here is don't talk to anyone before you've spoken to God. Put the kingdom of God and his righteousness in the first place and you'll find that everything else falls into place, okay, and, and, and is blessed, all right? So, so admit your weak. Secondly, I like to say this, go to stimulating places. I love to go to forests, to mountains, to hills, to walk along the beach, to go to rivers. If I'm traveling and I'm in a, you know, ministering in a, in a, in a, on the coast, on one of the big cities, I tend to get up and hit that, that promenade, that beach early morning. I love to run. I love to walk early morning. And that stimulates me. Why, why, why so? Because I, I feel that the creation points to the creator, you know, the, the 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 glory of the Lord is revealed in creation. So it always lifts my heart. It, it just helps me to pray. And I just feel like we need, again, to be honest. You know, there's so many distractions and things trying to stop us from praying, whether it be practical things or even demonic things. And so whatever helps you to pray, do it. Get going. Okay, for me, it's about getting out in nature. There's a little forest, a little wood close to where I live here. And I love getting out there because I can just kind of open up my heart I can make some noise without feeling constrained that there are people around me who can hear me and that just helps me to pray and maybe you're like me and you you're more comfortable doing it outside praying outside than actually in your own bedroom and again we need to be practical about these things you know one of the reasons why it's good to walk and pray at times is literally because if you're getting up early, if you're praying late and you kneel down, you sit down, you're likely to fall asleep, all right? So, you know, do whatever it takes to just help you keep praying, all right? The third thing is, I think a good one, is to establish a routine. Like I said, first thing is always, in my opinion, best. Your mind is fresher. Start with God. Start on a positive note. Confess the word. Pray out in the spirit. I'll talk to you about the, a series of new covenant prayers in another podcast because I believe that there are many prayers that are in vain if you remember Jesus said the Pharisees think they'll be heard by their vain repetitions so this is praying but actually praying the wrong type of prayer it's only when we pray new covenant prayers that heaven really gets involved but my point is here establish a routine if you know I mean I run every day but I have a moment when I divide my day and I go off for a run and it's kind of like established. And so it's just something that my body gets used to. I know in my mind it's coming, it's going to happen. Routine is really good. Every parent and every child knows that. If you have a set routine for bedtime, you don't need to fight with the child every day that it's time to go to bed. Why? Because a routine's been established. Same with prayer. Establish a routine if you possibly can. Fourthly, pray with others. That's always a good thing if you're particularly, you know, praying with others holds you to account, encourages you. Okay, so if you're not in a place where you find you can establish your own routine and pray on your own, all right, be honest again and just say to somebody, let's get together and pray. Or even in isolation, 
you can say, hey, let's have a commitment that each of us prays seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, or, you know, pray with your spouse, pray with your children. I sit with my children, my family every morning when I'm at home anyhow, and we study the word together and we pray together. Okay. And again, any prayer is better than no prayer. Okay. Obviously, if you want to pray lots, pray lots. That's wonderful. But any prayer, even if it's for five minutes, pray. Don't become too uh, religious in terms of uh, establishing a set time. And then what happens is if you break it, you feel condemned for the rest of the day. You're not that spiritual. And when you feel condemned, you can never be used by God. Okay. Be gracious with yourself. Everything is profit in the Lord. Okay. And finally, to finish off, uh, act in faith. And what do I mean by that? Um, sometimes you just, when, when, when you're not feeling like praying, but you just start praying out. So praying in the spirit, for example, you pray out in the spirit. Okay. Okay. As you start praying, it might feel a little bit dry and a little bit forced, but as you get going, you'll find that things start flowing. All right. And I like to use the picture of, do you remember in the old days, they would start a motor car by getting one of those, I don't know, wrenches or sort of handles that they would wind around quickly. I suppose they still do it when you're starting a go-kart. And, and by that sort of quick acceleration, okay, the motor then kicks in and starts purring and ticking over. So too, in a sense, getting the motor of your spirit going. Just give it a blast at the beginning. Speak out in faith, even if it's in a sense in your own strength. All right. Because then you'll find that the spirit kicks in and takes over and then you can really go. You can really, really go. I mean, again, another example I find is that when I start running, normally the first two or three kilometers that I run, in a sense, I'm warming up. And it's always quite painful. I have to kind of force myself through that pain barrier. And on the first few kilometers, I'm, you know, on my first lap, I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to run two or three kilometers today. I can't really go much further. But by the time I've done that, I actually find myself doing a second lap. So I've now got up to five kilometers. And by the time I've done that, my body's now heated up you know, and it's flowing. And now I just want to keep running and running and running. And I find myself going much further than I ever planned. And this is not, this is what normally happens. Why? As I said, because my body's heated up and since the juices are flowing, okay, so too with your spirit. Once your spirit gets going, it's rather like a, a well-oiled engine, all right? It just starts flowing and flowing. So you think you're going to pray for five minutes and you end up praying for a lot, lot more. Hallelujah. I'm encouraging you here to do anything that helps you to pray and to particularly pray in tongues because there are all sorts of benefits. We've kind of touched on in this series five benefits. Praying in tongues activates health and healing. Praying in tongues activates miracles around you and in you. Praying in tongues activates God's armor of protection and to help you advance. Praying in tongues also activates um, the other gifts within you. Amen. So that you can then move into a, into a miraculous ministry and really help people that way. And remembering this, when you pray in tongues, you pray out the mysteries of God for yourself, for your future. It's the spirit praying through you. 
So praying in tongues really seriously blesses your life, your family's life in every area. Okay, it, it makes your tomorrow better because you've prayed in tongues today. So with that thought, I bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And please practice what you've heard preached. Be a doer as well as a hearer of this word. And you're going to see terrific results coming into your own life and into your own ministry. This is Pastor Giles Stevens leaving you with my blessing in the name of Jesus. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. And we like to finish with an opportunity for people to give their lives to Christ. And if you've never done that before, say these words after me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I thank you for a new heart and a new start. Amen. And we believe that you've now been born again. And we encourage you to join a Christ-centered church in your area. God bless you. To acquire more teachings to help you grow in wisdom and grace, check out our website, thegreatmission.org, where you can order paper copies or Kindle versions of inspiring materials, such as, There's a Miracle Coming Your Way. Finally, we would also ask you to consider becoming a partner of TGM, The Great Mission. Through a network of missionary evangelists, we are holding events in Asia, Africa, and South America to get the gospel of grace in word and action to hundreds of families every month. We hold grace festivals where multitudes of needy people have received food parcels and been transformed by the message of God's goodness and grace. By becoming a monthly partner, you can be part of a worldwide harvest of souls. Thanks for your consideration.